This morning I'm preaching on the subject, Preserving America's Christian Legacy. All of us should care about America. We should care about what's happening in America today. But we should be just as concerned, maybe more concerned, about the America of tomorrow. What will America be like in five years or ten years or twenty years from now if Almighty God tarries His coming? We're often reminded that America is number one. But unfortunately, we also are number one in homosexuality, radical feminism, divorce, abortion, political correctness, and the destruction of family values. You say, but pastor, we're economically number one. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you something. I would rather leave our children a legacy of great and godly principles than to leave them a whole nation of great wealth and squander it with godless principles. And so this morning, it is important for us to preserve our Christian legacy. And in Psalm 78, the psalmist Asaph, in this particular case, is likening and he's talking about the nation of Israel and how it, what it needs to do and some things it needs to remember. As I was reading it, I was thinking, you know what, this is just like America. Three reasons why we should remember. Would you bow your heads with me, please, as we dedicate this time to the Lord. Father, for the next few moments, I pray that our hearts will be attuned to your word. And I pray that, God, you would just set us aflame with righteousness and love and hope and caring and kindness to all people. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to know the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalm 78 and verse number one, if you would please, let's read it together out loud and reading from your King James Version. We have the PowerPoint here, but let's read verse one together. Ready, begin. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Now, the books of the Bible are all written by God. He spoke through human authors. The Psalms is often poetical, but it's also historical. This is one of those historical songs, as they would sing. It is a narrative of God's amazing mercy that He had bestowed upon the people of Israel. And it begins by talking about how good God had been. But it charges them to receive these blessings with gratefulness and to remember. I mean, what good is divine revelation if we got our ears plugged? Time to take out our earphones and just listen to what God is saying. Now, as I read through this psalm, I said, you know what? This is an absolute parallel to the American dream. The American dream was actually placed into the heart of our founding fathers by Almighty God. America is not an accident. It did not just happen. It is absolutely the gift of God. Do you realize there has never been in the history of the world, other than Israel, never been in the history a nation that has been so founded on Christian principles? But we have to wonder about tomorrow. What kind of a legacy are we going to leave? We've seen a lot of remarkable things happen in the last couple of generations. I'm old enough to remember when uh, the Soviet Union and all of its communist bloc nations, and I watched as that uh, came down 
and Berlin Wall. I remember hearing Mr. our president, Mr. Reagan, saying, Mr. Gorbachev, bring this wall down. There has been a lot of evil nations that have come, and thankfully there have been a lot of them that have empires that have gone. But I will say that even though all of that has happened, I don't know that I feel more secure today than I did at those times. Many times, worse demons replace the older ones. That's because we need to get back to remembering the principles of our nation. Now, what did God give Israel? God gave them three L's. He gave them a law. He gave them a land, and he gave them the Lord. And yet, because of their disobedience, uh, there had to be some uh, repercussions on their sins. And so, here the uh, author Asaph is saying, here are some things that we need to remember in order to keep our nation going in the right direction. Number one, it is a truth that we owe ourselves. We owe ourselves a truth. Verse number two, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. The first thing that Asaph says we need to do to remember, and that is, it is a truth that we owe ourselves. It has been said that those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. Notice this verse here. It says they're called dark sayings, sayings of old. They're dark not because they're hard to understand. Frankly, they're dark because they're deep and they're essential, but they are sayings of old. He, what is he saying? He's saying, Israel, we need to look back. We need to make sure we look back and review our history. We too have the same assignment. We've been given by God an assignment and we must not fail. A little boy came home from school one day and he looked rather sad and the father said, son, what's wrong with you? He said, dad, I think I'm, I'm afraid I failed my history test. And dad said, now son, you're thinking negatively. You need to be more positive. He said, okay. I'm positive I failed my history test. <laughs> now, there are some things, folks, that we just can't fail. And this is one of them. We cannot fail to pass on our heritage. If we don't know our roots, we're in trouble. Why? Because when roots are deep, there is no need to fear the wind. If we don't teach the generation to come, we are leaving them open to every kind of a wacky concept or evil that's going to come in. Have you ever realized that we are basically one generation away from paganism? That's all, one generation. Some parents say, well, I don't want to force my views on my children. I want them to make up their own minds. Well, I say to that, folks, you've got room for rent upstairs. That is crazy. No, the world is out to proselytize our children, and the state schools will re-educate them. Our children are being re educated and indoctrinated in so many different ways. They are given a philosophy that is contrary to Scripture and to the own values that we hold. I read a, a recent study this last week. I was amazed. Listen to this. If only the millennials had voted in the last presidential election, the millennials, 18 to 34, if only the millennials had voted the GOP would have only won five states. Trump would have got 23 electoral votes and Hillary 504. 
They estimate that 80% of the millennials are not just left of center, they are far left, in many cases, socialists. Folks, I remind you that this world and so many different sources are out to propagandize our children. You know, I never really realized the spelling of propagandize until this week. Someday look at it, it's pro, P-R-O, and then it is the word pagan. Pro-pagandize. That is, we are going to push the pagan agenda, and that's exactly what is happening. One senior lady that I heard said, you know, people say my morals are old-fashioned. I simply say my morals are just a sign I was brought up properly. One of our precious ladies in our church handed me this a few weeks ago, and I just absolutely loved it. Listen to it. This is a rendition, a different rendition of the Lord's Prayer. Surprisingly, written by a 15-year-old school young man in Minnesota. Here is the Lord's Prayer done by this young man. Now I sit me down in school where praying is against the rule. For this great nation under God finds mention of him very odd. If Scripture now the class recites, it violates my Bill of Rights. And any time my head I bow becomes a federal matter now. Our hair can be purple, orange, or green. That's no offense. It's a freedom scene. The law is specific. The law is precise. Prayers spoken aloud are a serious vice. For praying in public hall might offend someone with no faith at all. In silence alone we must meditate. God's name is prohibited by the state. We're allowed to cuss and dress like freaks, pierce our nose, tongues, and cheeks, They've outlawed guns, but first the Bible, to quote from the good book, makes me liable. We can elect pregnant senior queen, and unwed daddy is our senior king. It's inappropriate to teach right from wrong. We're taught that such judgments do not belong. We can get condoms and birth controls, study witchcrafts, vampires, and totem poles, but the Ten Commandments are not allowed. No word of God must reach this crowd. It's scary here, I must confess. When chaos reigns, the school's a mess. So, Lord, this silent plea I make, should I be shot, my soul please take. (laughs) I tell you what, that's a powerful piece by a young teenage young man in our public schools today. There's a systematic seduction of our nation's children today. A little child came into his mom and said, Mom, remember that vase you used to have? You remember that vase that was handed down from one generation to the other generation? Well, this generation just dropped it. And that's one thing that we must not drop, however, is the truth about our Christian heritage. In a few days, we're going to celebrate July 4th. And for many, it's a day of hot dogs and barbecues and fireworks and getting out to be with family, and that's a good thing. But 250 years ago, almost now, It was a different moment. It was a declaration of independence. But it was also a declaration of dependence upon God. Today, the ACLU, the humanists, and the anti-goddess, and sadly, our former president, Obama, is the first president in the history of our nation to say that we are not a Christian nation. Compare that with John Adams. John Adams wrote this, the principles 
on which the fathers achieved independence were the principles of Christianity. The Declaration of Independence begins this day. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed by their creator. Strange. Our founding fathers said we have a creator, and yet creation can't even be taught in the public schools today. Our founders recognized that religion plays a key role in strengthening our society. They said, let's give uh, some tax incentives and make sure that we have churches that sprang up all over in urban areas and rural areas, and they did all they can to encourage churches to come to life. Why? Because they knew that churches teach right behavior. They give meaning to life. They are present at birth, and they are present at death. That's why our founders gave people of faith a triple protection under the Constitution as a free exercise of their religion. They ought to be able to worship anywhere they choose. There is some good news. Under our current president, the federal government, for the first time since Ronald Reagan, is now reaffirming the protections granted to us about religious liberty. Just a few weeks ago, the president's solicitor general argued before the Supreme Court in support of a Colorado baker who was sued for refusing to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. And they ruled in favor of the baker, seven to do. Yes. Now, what does the declaration begin? It begins with the creator, and then it ends with, listen to this, with a firm reliance on the protection of a divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Yes, the Declaration of Independence was a declaration of independence from Britain, but it was really more a declaration of dependence upon God. There are three things that we're to remember, Asaph said. The second thing he said as a nation, we owe a remembrance to our ancestors. Look at verse number three. It's an honor we owe our ancestors, a truth we owe ourselves, and an honor we owe our ancestors. Verse three, we have heard and known. Our fathers have told us. Our forefathers have told us this, and this is what we have heard and known. The forefathers of our faith paid the price. Today is because of our forefathers that we have a Bible in our hand. It is because of them that we can preach the gospel. It is because of the American founders that we have a country like none other. In 1778, James Madison architect of the Constitution, notice what he said. He said, we have staked the whole future of American civilization, not upon the power of government, but to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments. James Madison is oftentimes looked at as the author of the Constitution. What did the author of the Constitution say? He said, we need to govern ourselves by the Ten Commandments. And yet, sadly today, you can't even have the Ten Commandments in a public school classroom. And tragically, there are many modern churches that wouldn't even have the Ten Commandments in their church. Posted. Too negative, they say. George Washington, in his inaugural address, said, My fervent supplications to the Almighty Being, who rules over the universe, 
who presides in the council of nations. He said, God is ruler. Nobody else is ruler. I may become the president, but God is the ruler. In 1820, Daniel Webster said, let us not forget the religious character of our origin. Our fathers sought to incorporate its principles to diffuse its influence throughout all their institutions, civil, political, or literary. The Bible, or these people are simply saying the same thing, and that is we need to remember our Christian heritage. And yet in the average classroom today, if you taught about our Christian heritage, you, would be, you wouldn't be allowed. Of course, they'll make sure they have Harvey Milk Day, but not remember the Christian heritage of our founders. In July 8, 1845, Andrew Jackson, our president, said, The Bible is the rock upon which our republic stands. Every early American knew this. The United States Congress adopted the Star-Spangled Banner as our national anthem. We always sing the first verse, but let me quote to you part of the last verse. Praise the power that made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must, when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. The Congress approved that. If the Congress today tried to approve that motto, Dianne Feinstein would have spasms, I'll tell you for sure. In 1952, the Supreme Court Justice William Douglas said, we are a religious people whose institutions presuppose a supreme being. I believe we need to remember what our forefathers brought to us. They gave us a Christian nation. But I also believe we need to remember the forefathers of the faith. We need to remember church history. Thank God for the Apostle Paul, who was the first missionary to Europe. Thank God for John the Baptist and for Peter, who preached, and great reformers like John Knox and Martin Luther. And I thank God for this church. This church, since it's a founding in 1956, known back then as Bible Baptist Church out in rural East Stockton, has always believed that the Bible is inspired inerrant and infallible, that the Lord Jesus Christ is God of his church. And today we still preach the same thing. Heaven is real and hell is hot. And thank God Jesus is right. And we still preach that word. Thank God for the forefathers, not only of our country, but of the faith. It is a truth we owe ourselves. It is a honor we owe our ancestors. And then finally, Knowing our Christian heritage is a responsibility we owe our children. Look at verse 4. We will not hide them for their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. Here the psalmist said, you know what? It's wonderful to pass on great reminders about history or math or science. Nothing wrong with that. But make sure you pass on the things about God. Much of America today is suffering from spiritual amnesia. I don't think they remember what part God played in the forming of America. People say, oh, well, it was a Christian ideals. Not only was it a Christian ideals, God helped America. I'll just give you one example. In March 4th, 1776... There was a battle 
known as the battle in Boston Harbor. George Washington actually uh, wasn't especially a great general. He was young and he was new at this, but he was doing the best he could. Somehow God prompted them to put up their gun emplacements overnight. And so George Washington there put up their gun emplacements overnight. The next morning at daylight, the British commanders were astonished to see all these gun emplacements there on the ridge. When they finally came to their senses, they decided they were going to attack. And then all of a sudden, a violent wind, in fact, I'll give you a quote from a person who wrote back then, a wind more violent than everything he had ever seen, quote, descended on Boston. After the storm subsided, the waves were so big they couldn't cross the bay. God prevailed, God prevailed for those early revolutionaries. Folks, God preserved America. Now in these verses, what does God say we're supposed to tell our children? Look at verse 5. The first thing is the Word of God. Verse 5, for He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded for our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children who should be born that should arise and declare them to their children. God said, what should we give to the next generation? Folks, we're supposed to give them the Bible. We have a stewardship. That's why God established one tribe to be a preaching tribe. They were called the tribe of Levi. He said, you, we don't even, we're not even going to let you own land. And he wouldn't even let the Levites own land because he said, I want you to concentrate on doing one thing. Keep preaching the word of God to the next generation. That's what they did. And then he said, we also want every parent to teach their families. And so that a dad teaches his son, and then that son teaches his son and daughter. And that succession just goes on. And after all these years, folks, generation after generation, God's Word is still rolling on. And America is suffering today from an erosion of good values. God wants us to teach the Word. Sexual permissiveness, blatant parading of perversion, continual and casual disposal of the unborn, breakup of the family. It's sad, and yet the Bible has the answer for all these things. It's a strange thing. We say, no, we should only keep the Bible inside of the church, and yet we can put uh, metal detectors in front of each public school, but we can't have the Ten Commandments. It's a strange thing in uh, our state you know, every uh, person that once they get locked up and they go to prison, they all, they'll make sure they get a Bible. They make sure they have a chaplain. And yet in a public school, they can't have a Bible or a chaplain. It's kind of strange how that works out. The Word of God, not only the Word of God, but the works of God. God said we ought to teach them the works of God. Look at verse 7. Let's read it together, if you would, please. Ready, begin. That they might set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep His commandment. God said, I want you to make sure that we keep telling everybody how great God is. Not only share the precepts of God's Word, but share all the things that God has done. Why? God says two reasons, that they might set their hope in God, and then they'll keep His commandments. There's nothing like the stories of God's Word. 
to build hope, to build hope. We live in such an amazing country, such an awesome country. It's so many wonderful things that we can be thankful for and proud of. And at the same time, there are things that it just boggles the mind. It's hard to imagine that in the United States of America, it is still legal to take a baby in almost their ninth month. It is legal to take a baby almost completely born, their head in the birth canal, absolutely and completely viable, and then collapse that head and deliver a corpse rather than a baby. And that is still legal in America. People say, oh, I don't think you ought to preach politics. My friend, this is not politics. This is right and this is wrong. And that is wrong. I'm intrigued by those who are upset at the disintegration of the family, especially along our border, and there are some tragic problems. And yet the same people who are upset about separating a child from their parent are the same ones that support abortion in the ninth month. There's a hypocrisy there, a terrible hypocrisy. Verse number eight, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. I wish I could say in these first seven verses paint a pretty wonderful picture of what we need to do. But verse 8 is a warning. I remind all of us this morning that God is not obligated to bless America. And verse 8 says it. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. It's been said that God is not only our only hope, but he is our biggest threat. The nation that was born in 1776, and we're going to celebrate in a few days, must be born again, must be given these principles. We're going to join the graveyard of nations, and there's been some great nations. No nation quite like Israel, no nation quite like America, but thank God for what America has. Many people this morning are saying, what do we do about this? And what should we do for the next generation? Well, I know what I'm doing. I'm just living and trying to preach the word and spread the word of God, build churches and do all we can. Why? Because we have a generation that's coming. This week, my precious wife Pauline and I and the Pollock family and also the Brum family enjoyed a beautiful blessing. Here's a picture here I want to show you. Amen. This is, uh, <laughs> this is uh, Glory and Hallelujah, twin daughters on Tuesday. Granddaughters were born, uh, Nathan and Sarah. And so that's number 43 and 44 grandchild right there. And uh, so <laughs> and that's, uh, that's Selah. You'd say, what are you doing to help America? Well, I'll tell you one thing. We're going to do everything we can to give little glory and hallelujah. You say, where'd they get those names? Well, the first baby that came out, they said glory. The second one was hallelujah. Glory and hallelujah. They said, one of the nurses said, what's her name? They, she said, glory. She goes, oh, nice. And uh, 
Said, What's another baby's name? They said, Hallelujah. She said, Okay, thank you. And uh, <laughs> these are some of those strange Christian people. <laughs> For sure. Glory and hallelujah. They say, What are you doing? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I know I'm not trying to do the best I can with what I had every chance I can. Folks, that's what all of us can do. We need to share our heritage. We need to preach the Word of God. We need to build churches. We need to support law enforcement. We need to bring back America to a moral fiber. Folks, that's what we can do. That's the best we can do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give to Selah and glory and hallelujah and to all these precious children. Let's give them something in this next generation that they can be proud of. Let's preserve America's Christian heritage, a truth we owe ourselves an honor we owe our ancestors, and a responsibility we owe our children. Would you bow your heads with me, please?